Hello and welcome to Wide Left Sports and today I'm with former trainer for the Billings Royals and Blue Jays, Taylor Perchio. Thanks for having me, Mitch. Of course, how are you doing tonight? Not too bad, not too bad, getting settled in, um, getting ready to kind of kick off our winter sports season this week, so a little bit uh, prepping, a lot of prep work I guess at this point, getting everything ready. So I bet, how are the Missoula teams looking for this winter? So, for the schools that I cover, so I'm French out primarily, that's the big one that I cover, and then also do the uh, Clark Fork Co-op, so Alberton and Superior. Um, French out in terms of our guys' team, it sounds like we graduated quite a bit from last year, we bring a couple guys back, and then uh, girls' basketball as well, a couple, I think we have three seniors, is, is all on that team, so um, I think expectations are at least high. It's a little bit different coming from Billings, I feel like I know the East especially for Class A, pretty well, and then moving back over here on the western half of the state, it's just it's a little bit different. So a lot of unknowns, and uh, you have teams like, I think, Browning that didn't play last year um, for winter sports, and so question marks like that going in, it's, it's, it's going to be tough to, to say, but we have our big French house host in a tip-off tournament all day Friday and Saturday. Um, I think we have uh, eight, eight or nine different schools that are making the trip up, and so that'll take up the majority of my day. So that'll at least be a chance to kind of, Scope out and see what the rest of the West looks like in terms of basketball. And then, yeah, we kick off with wrestling, too. And we have some big tournaments coming up as well. So, yeah, just a little bit different landscape. But I think in terms of the schools that we cover up here, it it's, should be a promising year, at least, for, for basketball and wrestling. So, Well, that's awesome. So my first question is, what kind of got you into the profession? So I don't know uh, if you remember much, but I did, as a, as a high school student, I interned uh, with Joe Smith at Physical Therapy in Motion. Um, and so I got to work with you. I remember I was working with yep. you uh, right before you started high school. Yeah, in eighth grade, getting ready to go into high school at West. And so um, that was something that kind of interested me initially is physical therapy. That's kind of how a lot of this started. Um, and then my uh, sophomore year in high school, I had a knee injury, and our athletic trainer at Billing Central, uh, Shane McCullough, uh, was uh, phenomenal. Uh, in terms of, you know, kind of diagnosing, dumbing things down for me so I knew what he was talking about, uh, as well as when we went in to go talk to Dr. Elliott at, at Ortho Montana. And so uh, I just thought he had such a, a brilliant way of kind of um, making the complex seem basic and easy to me. And it was something that just kind of um, was was easy for me to grasp as a concept. And so that's kind of what piqued my interest. Um, fast forward into college and with it starting to apply to PT schools and didn't get any interviews at the schools I applied to. So um went into the master's in athletic training program and kind of looked back since. So that was a two-year master's program where I worked up here uh, in Missoula uh, while doing grad school. And then as soon as I graduated, got my first job in Billings at North Montana, working at senior high, and then obviously with uh, American Legion Baseball. And so yeah, since then, it's kind of just been full steam ahead at that point. That's awesome. And I do remember you physical therapy in motion. Those were fun times, us just hanging out and talking sports yeah. back then even. <laughs> Mariners baseball, that was the big one. I always remember Mariners baseball was the big one. Oh, Mariners baseball is still a big one. They have a big year hopefully coming up. Hopefully they'll finally make the playoffs, huh? That's the goal. I mean, we're close. We're, we've been knocking on the door the last, you know, five years or so. And so it's, I think with the offseason moves they've made, I think Robbie Ray is a great acquisition. I think there's a legitimate chance that they can push here, which will be huge. Oh, definitely. So what opportunities do you see for kids in rural Montana? You know, you talk to your covering Frenchtown now to get into your profession? So it's it's an uphill battle, I think, in the state of Montana just because of uh, the nature of how many rural schools, Class C schools that we truly do have. 
Um, one of the upsides of working in Billings at Ortho Montana, as well as here at Missoula Bone and Joint, uh, is they did a really good job of making sure that um, the surrounding schools in the areas outside of those respective cities had coverage, um, even if it's just game coverage or checking in on practices once a week. And so in terms of those opportunities, um, the best way that I think we can kind of advocate for the profession, get kids interested in it, is being present. So I think that's a huge part of what we do is being um, at those events uh, and practices throughout kind of establishing those relationships. Um, in terms of athletic training, once you do decide to go on uh, to an athletic training program in the state of Montana, you have two options at the University of Montana and at Montana State University Billings. Uh, those are both uh, master's programs. And I think as of this year, officially, uh, they have phased out all of the undergrad or bachelor's athletic training programs uh, in the United States. And so now it is a master's requirement. And lucky for kids in the state of Montana, as you have two state institutions that both offer those athletic training programs uh, and allow you to do rotations and work uh, in those communities, both in Missoula and in Billings. So obviously my time in Missoula and undergrad and grad school, I got to work with some pretty, uh, you know, pretty cool teams and coaches and, and athletes all throughout Western Montana. Uh, and then, you know, working in Billings as a preceptor and getting the MSUB students, uh, having them at senior high, a couple of kids that even shot up with Legion baseball. And so, uh, to kind of circle back, I think the opportunities for kids to be able uh, to get into the profession, it's it's growing. I think it's certainly better now than it has been in the past. But when you start looking at some of those rural settings, it, it is definitely a, an uphill battle to to keep establishing those relationships because I think we've done a great job uh, in terms of you know reaching out. But there are just so many other untapped markets and, and districts and schools that don't have the opportunity or the luxury of having an athletic trainer. So I think there's still a lot of work to be done. I don't want to downplay the good work that we've done, but uh, again, in Montana, which is the nature of our rural schools, it is a, a huge uphill battle to try and get uh, kids interested in the profession. But I think as we've kind of progressed, we've done a really good job of uh, kind of peaking some interest in those kids early on in high school uh, and allowing them obviously to be able to stay here in state and attend schools and, and work here. I think is a huge, huge draw. Definitely. Um, I can tell you, Personally, CJ is going into athletic training. Right. CJ, I mean, unfortunately, right, with his injury, we kind of had a lot of downtime in the dugout to talk this last summer. Um, <laughs> that was one of the things that he mentioned to me. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's a shame that he had to go to MSU. Uh, he'll figure <laughs> it out, though, at one time. Uh, but, no, I think it's great to be able – and, again, and whether he chooses to stay here or not, Weaver State has another phenomenal athletic training program. The Pacific Northwest is actually kind of a hotbed for that, uh, where you don't have to travel far to get into these schools. And so that's the upside is if you have kids that can stay here uh, and learn here, I, I think ultimately those are the ones that end up wanting to continue to work in the state of Montana. And I, I think it's a great opportunity for have, you know, to have kids that, that are able to, to um, you know, potentially go outside the state of Montana for their education if they really choose to, but there's always that kind of drawback. Or for those that truly do want to stay close to home, I think it's a phenomenal opportunity to be able to, to have two different universities kind of on both ends of the state to be able to pick from it and, and to get a phenomenal education. Definitely. So with this kind of thing, what is the hardest injury to um, recover from for a student athlete? Are we talking in the realm of just baseball or student athletes in general? Student athletes in general. Honestly, and it's kind of a, I don't know, this might just be me. I think overuse uh, and that can, that can be very different across uh, multiple sports, but I think our overuse injuries are the ones that are the hardest uh, for kids to kind of, bounce back from because it's one of those things that it's not where you're necessarily, you know, on crutches or in a hard cast or in a walking boot. It's not visible like that. And so the notion obviously from a lot of, you know, teammates and coaches is, well, like, what's the deal? Why can't you go? 
Uh, and we kind of, you know, we get to that point with some of these athletes where they feel that pressure. And so they kind of continue to push. And then ultimately, if we're already in that overuse state, uh, I think we kind of exacerbate the injury a little bit more. And so it's a constant yo-yo or a roller coaster effect of they, you know, rest for a couple weeks. They do a little bit of rehab. They feel good. They jump right back into the same stuff that got them banged up in the first place. And then we're kind of in this constant perpetual cycle. And so um, the overuse injuries, and obviously as it pertains to baseball uh, and my work with Legion, I think, you know, elbow and shoulder injuries, shoulders particularly are the ones that you get late into the end of the season, late July, uh, when kids have been playing, you know, upwards of four or five months uh, straight in a lot of baseball games and tournaments and bullpen sessions and practices. Uh, that's a lot of wear and tear on the arm and it gets hard because you don't have that luxury like you do in, you know, necessarily major league baseball, of you know, six or seven man rotation where you get six days off and you right. don't have to you know, worry about playing elsewhere in the field or road trips where, you know, tournament innings reset versus conference play. And so a lot of that stuff has been changed for the better in terms of how we kind of manage that. And I think in Olympics particularly, I think our Legion coaches do a great job of that. Mm-hmm. But also it's, um, you have kids that play club ball outside of that. You have kids that go to showcase camps and things like that. And so it's it's grown to a point that it's great for exposure. Uh, but I think the, the drawback on that is definitely the, the overuse risk. Uh, that we seem to kind of experience quite a bit, especially within the baseball community. Definitely. So do you see any safety precautions needing to be taken for shoulder or elbow injuries or just really any injuries in sports? Um, I think we've done a pretty good job at the recognition of those. I think uh, particularly in Legion, you look at pitch counts. Um, granted, I think there's no perfect solution. It's an arbitrary number that we throw out. Um but I think in, in general, it's a good safeguard that we have in place to make sure that we're not exploiting kids and putting them at risk. Now, the downside uh, from an athletic trainer's perspective is you can go throw and top out at 105 pitches on the mound and turn around on the second game of a doubleheader and go catch. And there's just as many balls getting tossed back from the mound as there is behind the plate. Um, we don't count warm-up pitches in between innings. We don't count pickoffs for kids between innings. So. Um, again, it's not the nature of Major League Baseball where you are a pitcher only, a PO, and then you're off for six days or five days that most of these kids uh, find a way to get on the field in any position they can. And so in terms of safety precautions, like I said, I think we've done a good job in trying to implement it. It'll never be perfect. It'll never be foolproof um, in terms of our baseball setup. Now, in terms of other sports, again, like you look at you know, your footballs or basketball, soccer, wrestling, things like that. Um, there are safeguards in place, particularly through the MHSA, our high school association, um, but that doesn't account for club sports. And that's one of the things that we've seen a big rise in, obviously, with AAU and club sports is it's a year-round endeavor. So it doesn't matter that volleyball season ends in November, club season starts right away, and then you're back into it, and you're doing tournaments throughout the wintertime, and then you have your summer volleyball. And so it's it's around the year type of commitment and that's the hard part is regardless of the safeguards that we have in place uh each association is going to have their own uh it doesn't really account for the overlap between the two and so that's the part that um i think is the million dollar answer if you can figure it out as to how to you know keep those safeguards in place as kind of one giant umbrella policy it'd be ideal from my perspective uh so i don't have kids coming in on day one of tryouts already banged up because they've gone you know 10 months straight prior to that um, but it's one of those things, it's kind of just the nature of the beast with, uh, with adolescent and youth sports is it's the trend that we're seeing now. Um, and I, I don't foresee it slowing down uh, anytime soon, unfortunately. 
Yeah, so with that, I have two follow-up questions here, and they're kind of completely different, so I'm going to do them individually. But, um, so are you in favor of doing multiple sports? You know, like, different muscles are used in baseball than in basketball. Are you in favor of people doing multiple sports so they can give their baseball muscles a break during the winter but still keep in shape? Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that we have found is the biggest benefit uh, for kids is that we have them, you know, ultimately playing across multiple disciplines or multiple sports. And then the seasons are broken up that way. So, I mean, you could still be um, a football quarterback, a baseball pitcher. And if you were going to throw, you know, javelin, you might say, well, those are all three throwing motions, but they're all different throwing motions. Uh, Would it be ideal? Absolutely not. But it's I'd rather have someone that does that than plays baseball or throws jab year round. Um, and so in terms of like that sports specification is kind of what we talk about in athletic training. Uh, I think it's kind of become one of those cultural plagues. Montana is, is fortunate in that sense that because of the seasons and the weather and patterns that we have, it is very hard to specialize in one sport year round with the exception of your indoor sports like basketball or volleyball. Now that's, I don't want to get in because I feel like this is probably going to be your follow-up question. Uh, but that's where it gets tricky now. Like you look at like triple play Academy and indoor baseball facilities in, in the state of Montana and in Billings, that's where it gets tricky now too, is, uh, I am a great proponent of, you know, not having kids specialize in one sport, but you could be doing baseball in the spring and summer football in the fall, but we also have fall baseball and we have winter workouts in the winter prior to the start of our spring baseball season. So having access to facilities like that is great. It's a really invaluable tool. Um, but that's where we kind of start to blur the lines a little bit of, well, yeah, I'm not specializing in one sport. I'm not playing baseball year round. I play football and I play basketball and I play baseball, but I can go and throw a bullpen in January yeah. or I can go and hit in the cake December. That's the hard part. So sports specialization isn't just unique in terms of one sport that we're playing. I think it's also when we're playing two sports at the same time, right? I'm, right. I'm doing all my football stuff or my basketball workouts, but I'm also heading two days a week to go and, you know, get, get up, uh, you know, thrown in the cage or in the getting reps in the cage and things like that. So that's the the tricky part of it. Uh, again, I think that's the trend of what we're doing with youth athletes. We're kind of see that pendulum swing in that way. Um, but in terms of where I'm at, in terms of sports specialization, I hate it. I would love to see kids continue to go out and, and participate in different sports. A, you don't see as many of those types of overuse injuries. Um, and B, I think it creates a more well-rounded athlete. Um, kids become very mechanical when they focus on one sport year-round at this age, right? Now, right. when it becomes a career profession and you're 25 years old and you're making millions of dollars doing whatever you're doing, by all means, that's your craft and focus on it. But when you're 15, 16 years old, I think there's a lot to be said in terms of kind of figuring out how you move in space and, and figuring out your body and, and, and what works best for you and developing true athleticism as opposed to focusing on one sport specific type of athleticism definitely so you kind of answered my backup question it is not about the indoor facilities but um so i was going to ask have you seen any trends in injuries and then you answered it a little bit by saying that you see it in the people that just specialize in one sport but have you seen any trends in certain injuries um, so obviously COVID was a unique situation. And so one of the things that we dealt with early on in that first baseball season in, in 2020, um, was a lot of soft tissue injuries, musculoskeletal. So a lot of like hip flexor strains, quad strains, hamstring strains, that sort of thing. Um, not really sure if it's a deconditioning issue, if it's kids that weren't able to really get in the gym or at school and things like that. And that's kind of what caused it. 
or if it was, you know, sitting on a computer at home all day or sitting on your couch, on your laptop, doing Zoom stuff. Like it's hard to really kind of pinpoint particularly what, but I can say for sure, at least in 2020 with that summer, the start of Legion baseball, we had uh, a very uh, different approach. And so if you look at the blue side and the red side in terms of how we kind of ran those camps, uh, the blue side uh, was very like slow to progress, very much like easing kids into it. Uh, whereas the red side hit the ground running from day one. I mean, you would assume that we would have had either similar or even slightly higher numbers on one side. And we, I mean, the blue side, the kids that we eased in, we had more top tissue injuries than we did on the other side that started, you know, full tilt from the jump. So that's where it kind of, you get stuck in this conundrum of like, all right, well, we did everything we thought was best for the kids. We eased them in. We didn't want to overwork anybody. And then here's kids on the other side that were going, you know, hundred percent all out from the beginning. They didn't have those same kind of injuries. So that's the one thing is I don't like to take credit when there's a quiet injury season because uh, I don't want the blame when there's a big injury season. Um, and so sometimes things just happen, right? It's you, There's not much you can do. Injuries or fluke deals, they just happen at, at all levels. And so that's the, the tricky part with that. Uh, but in terms of trends that we've seen, again, it's it's primarily overuse. Um, it's, it's kids that uh, maybe they only play one sport outside of their primary sport, but even then it's um, – access to facilities that allow them to continue to do that sport year round. Um, so you're not coming in fresh, right? It's, you have many, I mean, when we were playing baseball growing up as kids, right? If, if there was snow on the ground, you're not playing catch. Uh, yeah. Whereas now, you, you know, you have a facility where you can go and you can be throwing bullpens, you can be hitting and live in the cage uh, year round. And again, that's not a bad thing. I don't want that to get misconstrued that it's a bad thing. It just adds another, you know, piece kind of to the complexity of that puzzle of, how we can make sure that kids are coming in trending up in terms of their physical health, as opposed to coming in banged up. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's tough. It, it really is. It's, I wish I had a better answer for you in terms of how we, we handle uh, th- these types of things, but it just, it, it's so spotty and hit and miss. And so I think big thing is consistency and how we approach it um, and making sure that, uh, you know, we have kind of a baseline understanding of where kids are at physically coming in. I, I don't think it's, it's fair to, um, treat every kid in a program of 60 the exact same um, especially in this age and demographic you're dealing with kids that are you know haven't quite hit their puberty or their growth spurt yet versus kids that you know are fully mature and they're ready to go on and play college ball um, and so making sure that we kind of cater our expectations for what each of the like each group essentially is able to accomplish and kind of making sure that we're setting them up for success and i think Across the board in Legion Baseball and Billings particularly, they've done a really good job of, of kind of establishing that culture and making sure that we're we're not overdoing it in our younger kids. And I think that post-war uh, program is great in order to kind of introduce kids into what Legion Baseball looks like without the, the full-on, you know, kind of dip your toe in the water uh, initially and then kind of, you know, slowly submerge as opposed to, you know, if you're a 15-year-old kid that's never played Legion ball, you kind of get thrown to the wolves right off the bat. So I think the post-war program is really good at that, and we've got great buy-in with our coaches uh, on, on how we kind of handle and condition those kids. But, yeah, it, it's tricky. It, it definitely is. It's one of those things that if I had the right answers for you, I probably wouldn't be sitting in this journey <laughs> higher up the chain somewhere else. Yeah, definitely. So how is medicine improving, you know, over recent years in relation to athletes' recoveries or injuries? Because it's an ever-changing thing, and I just how does how has it improved? I think one of the big things that you'll notice is just the um, the outcomes that we're seeing based on surgical interventions. Obviously, um, the technology that we have it's more um, I think maybe injury appropriate. It's it's less invasive 
which is huge in, in terms of the types of grafts that we're using for you know torn ligaments uh, and tendons, things like that, uh, as well as what we're able to do in terms of broken bones and fixations and things. But I think where you see the biggest stride in what we've done medically is the rehab portion. Um, and so uh, you look at rehab protocols that we've established. And so, you know, 30 years ago, if you tore your ACL, you were placed essentially in a hard cast from your hip to your foot. Uh, and from there, we kept you in that immobilized for, you know, the four to six weeks. And then we had a very slow progression. Whereas now as we're trying to, push, you know, we're trying to get kids moving weight bearing as soon as we can when it's graft is healthy and able to do so and working on physical therapy almost from the day after surgery on uh, working on range of motion making sure we have no deficits and so the, the rehab component I think is much more fine-tuned now uh, and that goes hand in hand with the surgical interventions and so that's where um, as an athletic trainer it's a piece that we kind of get to pick up uh, and working closely hand in hand with physical therapists uh, especially in that post-op demographic. And so kids that do get surgery can go in and see their PTs, you know, three to four days a week for the first couple of weeks. And then we got to get to see them after that. So that's the upside with a lot of this is that we're able to, um, you know, kind of work hand in hand with, with physicians as well as physical therapists, uh, occupational therapists, uh, and trying to kind of develop the best plan. And so the, the, the rehab aspect of what we've seen in, in terms of medicine in the last even just 10 years has grown exponentially. Uh, blood flow restriction is another one that's kind of taken off in popularity. Uh, and again, the signs are promising, at least in, in terms of those interventions. But that's the biggest, I think, leap forward we've made in the in the medicine community um, is, is the rehab component and finding more, you know, like airtight protocols, protocols that we show through evidence based research that work uh, when followed. I think that's huge and something that maybe we didn't address 15, 20 years ago to the extent that we do now and recognizing that, hey, if we can get this thing locked down and make sure that we have the evidence to back it up, uh, we can have better results long term. And that's been huge. Absolutely huge. That's awesome. So with all athletes, there's a little bit of God given talent. I mean, like LeBron James has his ability to jump and that was given to him from birth. What areas do you see an athlete can control, though, to help them grow as they're you know, growing up through athletics. So one of the things we talked about, right, is trying to kind of steer away from the sports special specialization. I think that's huge. Um, there's a guy I follow on Twitter, Jeremy Frisch is his name. He's phenomenal in terms of uh, kind of establishing just basic movement patterns. So he gets back to, to little things like uh, watching, you know, fifth, sixth grade kids how do they navigate? It almost looks like parkour, honestly, as weird as that sounds. But how do they navigate these obstacles? How do they move in space when there is no game, right? It's not a baseball game or a football game or anything like that. It's just kids moving freely in space. And so when we look at, you know, obviously, yeah, the LeBron James of the world, they're, they're just gifted, and they are. And that's how it's been since day one. For everyone else, and it's the point we hammered on a ton, uh, especially in my time with Legion Baseball, is focusing on the basics, right? That there are so many things that, you know, kids can see someone on Instagram doing this type of workout and they're going to try it, but they can't do a push-up, right? Or, or they can't sit here and, and hold the hold a squat form. Um, and so the basics, I think, and I know it's not, it's not flashy, it's not fun to focus on those things, but I think if we can kind of revert back to establishing a solid foundation, you'll start to see uh, how quickly we can build on that, uh, where we get into trouble as kids that aren't physically ready or physically strong enough to be able to attempt some of the things they're doing. Uh, 
ultimately they're, they're set up for, for failure. It's, there's a reason LeBron James is able to do those things, right? I mean, he's 6'8", 260 pounds. He's a freak of nature, right? And, and oh. arguably one of the best to ever do it. And so when 15-year-old kids try and emulate that, they and they don't have the core strength to stand on a single leg or they don't have the quad strength to be able to do these, that's where we run into trouble, right? Because it, it looks cool and I saw it on Instagram and so I should be able to do it too, where realistically it's, hey, if we can work back to basics um, and really focus on the, the very few elemental things, and especially with, with pitching uh, in baseball, that's one of the things that we hammered on is when we would do our arm routine and our band work, it was very, very simple and modified. And kids would get super bored with it. But I hammered that point home relentlessly of like, we can't even progress to the next step of what you guys want to do because you can't do the first step correctly, right? It's I wouldn't be doing my due diligence as an athletic trainer uh, if I was allowing you to progress through that point uh, if we didn't have a good baseline to start. And so, again, it's not flashy. Um, it's not ideal in terms of what 15, 16, 17-year-old kids want to be able to do. Uh, but that's kind of where, where I get to come in and just – make sure that we're we're not veering too far off the course because a, a solid foundation in terms of just basic movement patterns and skills is paramount for regardless of what sport you play um and so reverting back to that i think is the best way that we can kind of develop true athleticism uh and we kind of about kids come home back and and how they do and it's baseball's a beat i mean it's a beautiful sport in terms of there are guys that are supernatural and they're just gifted, right? They are the LeBron James of baseball, but there are other guys that are just as diligent in their work habits and their ethics of how they approach the little things. And that's what gets missed a lot. And so you watch a, a regular Legion baseball practice in Billings, it's EDDs every single day, right? We're, we're sitting here, we're working on, all right, which glove hand do we go? Which foot are we planting off of when we throw, like what's our arms like? All those things that, So what, without giving any names, what's been your most rewarding recovery during your time as a um, athletic trainer? Well, I'll give the name because they wrote an article about him on the Gazette. So I think Nick Eliason probably was the most rewarding one. And if you want to bleep that out, feel free. You're more than welcome to. Um, so Nick obviously got hurt in a senior West basketball game. Uh, layup lines went up for a dunk, slipped, fell, um, ended up breaking uh, both his wrists and dislocating one of them. Um, and so that was kind of a, a process that I got to watch from the time it happened in, in basketball season. I carry that all the way through with baseball. Um, and so in terms of where he was able to kind of bounce back to, because that was a scary thing when you look at, um, you know, having to go through it and have hardware essentially put inside your, inside his wrist and make sure that everything was stabilized and then turning around and being like, all right, well, now that we're in baseball, we can actually remove that hardware and try and get back to it. And so having that, um, that process goes smoothly for him, I think, was great because it started out pretty scary. That's one of those things that um, when you first see the injury, it's pretty gruesome. And it's one of those ones that you're not sure mentally how a kid is going to respond. And so I think for him, and the big thing was um, kind of gaining some of that mental uh, confidence back because I think that is such a it's such a freak accident to happen physically that it kind of lingers in your brain that every time, right, you roll your wrists over when you're swinging or you dive for a ball in the outfield that you're worried that it's going to happen until you do those things the first few times, right? Until you hit the ball and you realize your wrist isn't going to break or you dive and you're able to do the things that you've done a hundred times before. Um, and so I think that was probably the most rewarding thing for me because of just how grim it looked from the beginning. And we weren't really sure if we were going to go the surgical route or not, or if we were going to have any complications with hardware. 
I mean, anytime we have to cut someone open, it's, it's a, it's a roll of the dice as to how that thing's going to shake out. Uh, and so I think the fact that it went as smoothly as it did, uh, and then obviously he was able to excel and, and earn himself, you know, the opportunity to play baseball at the next level. I think in terms of, uh, injury stuff for me, that was probably the most promising, uh, in baseball. Obviously we've had plenty of, you know, ACLs, uh, in my time at senior high, uh, ACL shoulders, uh, you know, they're kind of bumps and bruises, broken bones, but, uh, I think in terms of where we were at, uh, with baseball, that was, uh, the most promising, uh, recovery or the one that I guess made me feel, uh, probably the most proud to see how he was able to bounce back. And it's always good to see Nick when he comes back to Billings and catch up with him and see how things are going out at Treasure Valley. And, um, yeah, I think it was, he's a great kid and it was just one of those ones where you like to see good things happen to good people. And the fact that he was able to bounce back was, was definitely something that, that made me feel good for sure. Definitely. That was scary. I remember hearing about that when he broke him and I was like, oh man, he's not going to be going for baseball. And then he comes back and he had an amazing senior year. So right. that's, right. and that's the part where we, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible to see. Um, and a lot of, you know, it's the ball's got to bounce your way a lot of the times on those, but I mean, he worked his butt off and made sure that he did everything he was asked to do. Um, if anything, we had to roll him back a little bit, you know, make sure that it was like, Hey, doc hasn't cleared us for this yet. We got to, you know, scale back a little bit and make sure we're not doing too much too soon. But uh, no, that was, it was a, from where we started at when it first happened to where he ended up in, you know, August of that summer was, it was a pretty remarkable turnaround. That's awesome. So I have one final question for you. I know on one of your final days in Billings, the Royals gave you a signed Jersey. Um, what was that day like for you? Yeah. So it was actually CJ, uh, I think he offered up his jersey, which is awesome, and it's sitting in the frame still in my in my guest room right now, which is awesome. Um, I was cleaning out my apartment. That was my last day in Billings. I was getting ready to clean everything out and, and make the trip up to Missoula. Uh, I think I got a, a text or a call from Mike Olin or something like that, one of the kids on the team, that, hey, can you come look at so-and-so? Uh, and it was kind of one of those ones where I was like, I don't really have time. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not working there anymore. I'm trying to get my apartment packed up and cleaned. and um, you know, said, hey, I can be there in an hour. Is that okay? And it's like, yep. And so I get there, and everyone's practicing about, like, nothing had happened. No one was sitting out. So I'm kind of wondering, like, what the hell is going on? Uh, and then, you know, Sweat calls, hey, like, you know, everyone bring it in real quick. And I don't even remember if it was, you know, CJ or whoever ran up and grabbed it and brought it down. And um, it was one of those things for me where it was just – it was awesome. You know, and it was emotional. It was never ideal. It was never in the cards for me to want to leave. I had a really good opportunity here and to be closer to family. Um, so going out that way for me was good, right? It was good to end on a note like that, but it was definitely bittersweet. Um, and it was, it got to the point where I'm sitting there in, in Missoula, like looking up how, how the hell to get to Great Falls to go watch a state tournament. Cause I just didn't want to, <laughs> didn't want to be done with that group yet. And so for me, it was, it was huge. And it's just something that, you know, working four years with those guys and a lot of those kids that played up. Uh, for the majority of it was awesome and we had you know great coaches great parents great kids and that's what makes my job easy you know it's you, you kind of have your ebbs and flows in terms of years with injuries we kind of get bit by the injury bug or you have some that are pretty smooth sailing um and the thing that makes my job the easiest is is the kids that you work with the coaches that you work with and that consistency is there so regardless of what that year looks like in terms of how much work I'm putting in with injuries and rehabs and things like that. Uh, it's ultimately the kids and coaches and parents that make my job easy. And uh, for the last four years with Legion Baseball, I couldn't have asked for a better group, truthfully. And I'm not saying that uh, just to say I really mean that. It's 
from the day I started there, you know, obviously with Coach Benjamin, uh, he took me in right away and that made that process a lot smoother. Uh, and, you know, Coach Hoost as well with the Scarlets. Of my first year, I covered both sides, which was uh, probably a bit off more than I could chew, but it was good to have those coaches that were able to uh, be very understanding with me and kind of work with me on a lot of that. Uh, and then obviously, you know, working up uh, with Coach Tlecker the last couple of years and uh, what he was able to do as well as, you know, Coach Bjorgum, both Cal and Eric. And, uh, I, I don't want to leave out Coach Christina either. I'm sure he'll get mad about that. So they're all all of them in there. But no, it was a it was a great group to work with, and the kids were awesome. And I think the kids are kind of a byproduct of their coaching staff. Uh, and so again, I, I think I was very fortunate and lucked out uh, to be able to work with those guys uh, for the four years that I did because it just it, again it it was very um, easy on my end. I guess is the right word. There were there weren't blow ups in the in the dugout. There weren't you know, having to go toe to toe with kids. It was kind of one of those things where, you know, the expectation was, it's like, Hey, this is what I think we need to do. That's what we were going to do. And it's ultimately to, to get the best results for the kids. And so when you have coaches that back you up as well as your players and parents, um, my job gets incredibly easy. And so, yeah, that was, uh, it was an emotional moment for me. I kept it together uh, while I was there and I'd be lying if I said I didn't shed a tear <laughs> when I got to my car. So no, it's, it's probably hanging up in the guest room. Uh, here and it was awesome and for you know for CJ to be able to give up that jersey was was huge um, you know and, and the card that came with it it's those are the kinds of things you know like state championships are awesome to be a part of um, seeing guys go on to play college ball is awesome to be a part of this is this is right up there for me it's this is the relationships and the connections I made there I think are you know just as important to me in terms of you know job satisfaction and things that I really really do enjoy about uh, working with uh not only Legion baseball kids, but, you know, high school athletes in general. Definitely. I have to tell you a story. So I, I told CJ I was having this interview tonight, and he's like, oh, Coach T. And I'm like, who is Coach T? And he's like, it's Taylor, Mitch. I'm like, oh, okay. So they really did consider you just a part of the team, another coach on that team. They truly enjoyed you also. So no, I wanted to that. That's the best part. I mean, it's because it, it, it was such a good group. And then, yeah, first it started out as, like, Mr. T. Uh, and I don't think they know who Mr. T is. And so that's like trying to figure out the, the connection there. And I never did. But uh, then it went from, yeah, like Mr. T to uh, Coach T. Uh, I don't mind Taylor either. You can just call me Taylor. That works for me as well. But I think when they kind of like, when you have your nickname with that, you know, you're, you're in at that point. And so that's the part for me that was just such a cool and unique experience that um, I don't think you necessarily get everywhere. That's the hard part with this is, um, I've worked with teams and athletes uh, where through no fault of their own, there just isn't that connection there. And I think when you do have those connections, it's easier to have those tougher conversations. It's easier for kids to want to approach you and let you know, Hey, here's something that's bothering me uh, when they know that you're there to go to bat for them. Uh, that, that gets easier. And so that's the other drawback is what's made it so hard to leave. You know, it was one of those things where it's, it's not just moving on to the next job. It's leaving behind a group of kids. And that's, that's tough. Um, I mean, even the kids that graduate, when I'm working in the summertime there, you still have those kids that poke their head in out of Perth's field just to say hi. And right. that's the stuff that I live for. That's that's the part that I'll miss. But, I mean, I'm also still here in Montana. You know, Missoula's, the Mavs have Legion baseball here as well that I'll get to work. So I'll be able to kind of keep close tabs on and definitely go venture down here and uh, catch a few games here in Missoula when the, when the Royals are in town for sure. Definitely. Well, hey, Taylor, thank you so much for your time tonight, and I enjoyed every minute of it, and thank you for 
you know, being my friend for the last few years here, and I'm glad we were able to reconnect through CJ, so. Oh, it's been awesome, man. Thank you again for having me. This has been great. Um, yeah, hope everything goes well for you here. It's been great listening. I mean, you've had some talk to your guests on. I don't know if I belong in the same echelon as those guys. So, yeah, you can uh, <laughs> maybe delete this one altogether when it's all done. Oh, uh, no, maybe you're – It'll be a rough draft. No, you belong here, and I will definitely be putting it up. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Steve. I really do appreciate it. Um, yeah, and like I said, I'll be I'll be following along. I'm excited to see. Obviously, you know, CJ has surgery coming up, so in a couple of weeks. So hopefully, everything goes smoothly there, and um, you know, his rehab will go go well. Um, yes, that's always a tricky one there. But yeah, I know that was one of the things that I, I jotted that date down on my calendar to make sure I could follow up with him because I know it's a it's a scary one for sure. But I think I think it'll do it well. I it'll think be, so uh, too. <laughs> slow pitch softball in no time. It'll be. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. You bet. Thanks, Mitch. Bye-bye.